I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. We have the match ahead of us, probably that I would want to have more than any other in the entire tournament. And I have to be honest, I didn't know at the start of the tournament that it's what I wanted. But now I do know. It's Serena Williams against Victoria Azarenka. For a moment there, I thought you were talking about Dominic Team against Alex de Menor, which is what's mm. sort of quite literally ahead of us right now. That's about to get underway. And, well, I'm and quite not, excited about that. Not that that might not be a great match, but I thought you were going a bit big, a bit early. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I agree but, about Azarenka and Serena. I, di- I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Though at the start of the tournament, was that in your mind as a matchup that you craved? I can't say it was for me because I really didn't think of that as a possibility. But now I'm sitting here and it's it's going to happen, and it feels like one of the biggest matches in tennis. No, well, if you if you dangled it in front of me, I would have craved it, but I didn't. I didn't see it dangling there. We were just talking about Azarenka and and the fact that uh, I mean we've just seen her win 6-1-6 love over Elise Mertens a very very good player um, who beat the Australian Open champion in the previous round and um, I I need to do some reprocessing of how I view Victoria Azarenka um, because I've not my mind my tennis brain hasn't had a chance to catch up with with what's happening because yes I watched her I watched her beat uh, Joe Conter in at the Western and Southern Open I think that match and her loss to Venus Williams in Lexington are the only sort of two full tennis matches of hers that I've I've, I've watched um, and as impressive as she was against Conter I still hadn't erased what happened in Lexington from my mind. And I still can't quite compute how that was only three weeks ago. Um, but I need to start doing some quick computing and com- completely reordering um, the Azarenka compartments in my brain because she's playing, she's playing world-beating tennis. Well, at least you haven't gone on the record and said that Elise Mertens <laughs> was going to beat her. <laughs> Which, uh, well, Matt, I feel I feel like after two years, you're finally one of us now. <laughs> I'd like to formally and publicly apologise for that terrible prediction. One in love. I mean, not sure anyone would have predicted it was going to be one in love. But it's the same thing. I hadn't I hadn't processed quite how well Victoria Azarenka is playing and has been playing for the last few weeks because. You know, sometimes you can normalise things so quickly in your mind and sometimes it takes a while. And Azarenka, for me, is taking a while. There's so much there's so much that we've seen from her in the last few years where she hasn't been a force in the game at all. And it's looked like the game had moved on a little bit from what she was playing. Well, she is back and she is on an absolute mission in this tournament. And she is one of one of the four best players in this tournament and they're all in the semi-finals I would say that's what makes this lineup so exciting they're all playing the best tennis it doesn't feel like anyone's got there th- through any kind of 
fluke at all. They're all, well, three of them certainly came in with very good form, Azarenka, Brady and Osaka, and Serena is Serena. And I agree with you, David. It's it's a very, very exciting matchup. And tomorrow, tomorrow night can't really come quick enough. Mm. Just to put Victoria Azarenka into perspective, when you... When we talk about her as being the past, and that's how I was viewing her until two weeks ago. This, so that, that's the point. She plays Venus Williams in the first round in Lexington, and she got absolutely dismantled. It was, and Venus was fabulous, but Victoria Azarenka looked like she had no power, no purpose, no spite in her anymore, no fangs, to use Mary Carrillo's wonderful term. And yet that is the, the term that I think sums up Azarenka versus, for instance, tonight, Elisa Mertens. That's the... What she brings to the table, there's a devil in the way she plays the sport. But she's been unable to to make a comeback, a meaningful comeback in the last few years. We know the reasons why in terms of when she gave birth to Leo and then she's had the custody battle and she's she struggled to sort of get back out on the tour in a meaningful way. And then she got loads and loads of really rough first round matches because her ranking was low but it just felt like she was treading water so if you remember back about two weeks ago in the amazon prime coverage we had daniela hantikova saying after one of her good wins i think it was after the one over conta Mm. she said she said she's going to get back to the top of the game I, i think she says i think she will get back to the top of the game and honestly I think Daniela is a, f- a really, really good pundit and I really like listening to her, but I thought, I, I just do not see that. I don't see where that is going to come from. She might, She's produced a couple of decent performances, but I thought that's that's gone. That level of form that she used to be able to produce is gone. That is not coming back. Well, this fortnight, she's produced it and she's she's she looks like the player that Serena Williams played consecutive year finals three set classics against she looks like that player and that was against 2012 and 2013 serena williams i mean it's how is she doing it how is she doing it do you expect me to have an answer to that david yes i do (laughs) well she's just given and actually she might have an answer for you herself because she's just given a really really sensational on-court interview. I don't say that very often, (laughs) sensational on-court interview. I mean, Brad Gilbert two nights ago was asking Daniil Medvedev what he thought about the fact that he'd soiled his trousers. (laughs) With Tabasco Tabasco, sauce. I mean, truly Twilight Zone stuff. Um, But uh, (laughs) Victoria Azarenka has just given a real cracker of an interview to Darren Cahill. (laughs) You're laughing, but that is—is is that not an accurate uh, transcript? <laughs> it's absolutely right. <laughs> Brad had dropped and it didn't Tabasco even stop sauce there. over his Medvedev over wasn't... his own trousers, and he wanted to ask Daniel Medvedev's opinion <laughs> Medvedev about it. So confused, <laughs> he ended up sort of liking him, asking him whether he liked Tabasco sauce, as if that were. He tried to do a really weird segue in, in into it, like. He did that classic thing, you've played so well, you've won so quickly, do you have dinner reservations? If you oh, and speaking of dinner and food, I spilled <laughs> hot sauce down my pants. <laughs> um, but actually Darren Cahill's interview tonight, I mean, he's good at he's good at those. Mm. And uh, and and Vic, the thing with Victoria Azarenka though, her demeanour, her disposition wow, she looked so relaxed and happy to be out there and as though she was playing with no pressure. I know she just won 6-love, six, 6-1 six six or whatever, so it's it's easier to look like that when you've done that. But my my brief dealings with her a few years ago, I really liked her. I liked she was she was a... She'd got a great sense of humour, dry sense of humour. She was mis- cheeky, mischievous. She was taking the mick out of everybody. It was great fun at Queen's when she did the charity match rally for Bali. Um, but th- this is a sunny disposition that she's got, which just makes you feel like she's just not worried about it. 
too much you know she's pumped to be doing it she desperately wants to win she's an incredible competitor just like she always was but she's enjoying it yeah i would agree with that yes sunny disposition relaxed happy but also incredibly intense um and that is something that's really struck me about um, maybe with the slight exception of Jennifer Brady, who's kind of this like total even keel the whole time. Apparently, she she keeps on saying in press, "I'm I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous during and before these matches." And I'm looking at her thinking, "You don't look nervous at all. You've got a fantastic poker face." But anyway, with the possible exception of of Jennifer Brady, that's something that's so struck me about the the, the, th- the three other semi finalists. They're the ones whose matches are the ones where I least notice the lack of crowd because I'm so absorbed by the intensity of it that I I find myself not noticing that intensity creates atmosphere. And I, I think Hazarenka is, is doing that. She's got that really... How would you describe her walk? It's almost a little bit of an awkward walk. It's like her, her head sort of bobbing ahead of her. I don't know, there's something very intentful and um, purposeful about her walk and she's got that back um so yeah she's striking this incredible balance of 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 having taken the pressure off her shoulders um in terms of needing to win but also really really wanting to win still because it's fun why wouldn't i want to do more of this um and she she's did, am i did i hear right that she said in that interview to Darren Cahill that she's never really enjoyed tennis before now yeah yeah and and i love the way she delivered that line because he didn't quite hear her when he when she first said it and then she repeated it to make sure he'd heard it because she really wanted to just tell that story you know she just said you know i don't think i've ever really enjoyed tennis because i was so so hyped up and desperate to win and prove myself and do all these things and I really get that because when you think back, she used to get in trouble all the time for slightly being saying an awkward thing in a press conference or being when she went off the court in that match against Sloane Stevens at the Australian Open. And and she she admitted afterwards she was sort of having a panic attack. And uh, and I think I think she was people were struggling to relate to her and, and get to know her and really appreciate her. And she's come through all that. Um, as and I think just it's just maturity. I mean, she's thirty-one. She, she's just not worried about all the things she used to be worried about. In because she's already proved herself. She's got thirty million in prize money that she's earned. She's got Grand Slam. She's former world number one. I mean, I asked her that question in that press conference two weeks ago. Did you consider retiring recently? And she said she did at the start of this year. She was thinking, really thinking seriously about retiring. And then she thought she'd give it one more go and just see see how it went. But it was clearly without any pressure of I have to, if I if I can, I want to. Um, I just think she's a joy to watch. I also love the way nobody goes down the lines better than she does. Attacks people down the lines because it's not just brute power, is it? it she played Arena Sabalenka, who's just teeing off on the ball, but. Azarenka is just carving people apart by this precision approach of down that line, right now down this line. And how do you stop that? She's going to get Serena on the move in a way that I'm not sure anybody quite has yet that effectively. Peronkova did today in, in, in patches, but that side to side to side relentlessly... I think is going to be a physical challenge for for Serena that is beyond what she's faced yet. Um, and I, I'm not saying she's not up to it. I just think it, it it's going to be a test, and I don't, I don't, I don't know whether she'll pass it. But it's certainly, oh, I can't wait to party like it's 2012 again. <laughs> I feel like when I got the uh, the London Olympics DVDs out. Good times. Yeah. Um, actually, she was saying in that interview just now as well that she'd been uh, – there was a, there was a hitting partner, I think a male hitting partner that she'd been practicing with and, 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 and she was really clearly absolutely pumped about the fact that she'd got to certain balls that she wasn't getting to a, a while back. 
um, and just enjoying that that process. As regards to Serena, I actually think that maybe the Peronkova might not be the worst player to have played just before because she did go set down. She's got these flat ground strokes. I thought re- she was really hitting the ball very effectively with Peronkova and, and Serena just dug that out dug that win out and then started to just ramp up the power as the match went along. I, th- I think it ended up being a really good win for her. Yeah, she's an underrated problem solver, I think, Serena Williams. I think sometimes there's a narrative around her that she just wins because she's better than everyone and often that has been the case. But certainly this tournament, the way she's figured out matches and figured out opponents and she needed to do that against Pronkova because... Ronkova in that first set was, as you said, taking the ball on with her backhand down the line, throwing in the sliced forehands. I love the Peronkova backhand down the line. Yeah, it's a joy. And she plays with such deception and disguise, I think. And Serena was occasionally called a little bit flat-footed. I can think of two instances where she just where she was brought into the net and Peronkova just lobbed her and Serena just stood there, you know, because she, she couldn't really see the shot that was coming. Um but then I thought she really started to dominate Peronkova's second serve. That was that was one of the big shifts in the match. And she really started to nail some returns and yeah, just kind of impose her game a little bit more and figured out how to do that. And she served beautifully throughout the match. I think she had 20 aces altogether. And that's, that, is, that is still the cornerstone of her game. I think if she serves well, it, it keeps her in matches until she perhaps finds her rhythm off the ground a little bit. But... I agree with you. I think Azarenka, having seen what I've just seen, I think she's playing better than Serena. And we know that she's going to relish that challenge. I mean, she said it's it's going to be fun for me. It's going to be good for me to play Serena. And she will rise to that occasion, I think. Their, their last uh, match, by the way, was 2019. And uh, I've just read a little bit of the build-up to that match. And, and Azarenka was incredibly pumped ahead of it, really just bit excited and we've just seen that again just now. She's getting off on the fact that she's playing Serena as much as we are. Yeah, that was uh, it, that was the other thing that really struck me about that Darren Cahill interview just now. It's probably the f- first time, the first time I can remember really believing a player when they say I'm really genuinely excited about facing, you know, the toughest possible opponent that I could face in the next round. I'm more excited about this than I would be about facing the world number 500 for a place in a Grand Slam final. Because I always think, yeah, I mean, obviously you'd rather face, you know, my dad than you would Serena Williams. Sorry, dad. Um, but she she genuinely wanted wanted that match she wanted the toughest possible task she wanted to play a great champion she wanted the moment and the occasion and the challenge and she wanted it I don't know if this sounds strange to say for such a great competitor but she wanted it more than she wants the win um and that 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 really really struck me yeah it's almost like she wanted to have her own tennis relived <laughs> and just sort of you know enjoy enjoy the old times yeah, we um, all want whereas, to enjoy the old times the old times were better yeah I, and i mean look serena i think very much enjoys playing her as well i think she relishes mm. that rivalry even the even though when you actually look at the rivalry it's 18-4 in favor of serena williams but there are so many close matches i mean in their last five matches three of them went the distance won by serena but you know that that they had they've had some classics and so many of those classics and a number of azarenka's victories were were during that 2012 2013 period when serena was just sublime and azarenka was the only person that could challenge her she really was i i really think that serena has a a huge respect for Victoria Azarenka because of the rivalry that they had during that specific period. I think it's enhanced now because they share the both being mothers. I think that is so significant for for both of them that they sort of. I don't think they're friends, but I do think they share an understanding and a and a bond on an on an unspoken level there. Yeah. 
There's an appreciation, I think. I think, she, I I think, think Serena right. really respects her. Hmm. The, uh, incidentally, the, the rivalry you mentioned in 2013, there was that spell of matches that they played where they played each other in Doha and it was 6-3 in the third for Azarenka. Then they played in Rome, Serena won. In Cincinnati, Azarenka won. This was the big one. Cincinnati, Azarenka won uh, 7-6 with an 8-6 tiebreak in the third. Ooh. And then, and then a, two weeks later, they played each other in the U.S. Open finals. So they played in back-to-back hardcore summer finals, and that one was seven five six seven six one. It ended up being a one-sided final set, but look how close it was between the two of them, you know. And um, yeah, let's let's hope they both can bring their best stuff because. We need this. We need this. That was the last. That was the last time Azarenka was at this stage of a Slam. That 2013 U.S. Open. Just, a, just an illustration of how long, how long it's been to get back to this level. And I think their 2012 wow. U.S. Open final was the one that went deep in the third set. If, if memory serves, that was seven five Serena in the third. You know, they were, as you said, they were back to back classics and Serena never had her hands as full as when she was playing Azarenka in that in that period it was it was kind of it was the it was the rivalry after the one she'd had with Enan I suppose it was it was kind of the next one but it was so different because Enan used to play Serena very differently whereas Azarenka used to go toe-to-toe with her as much as she could from the baseline as you said using those down the line shots and it was just she was able to harm Serena in ways that no one else could. And yeah, I'm, as I said, bring it on. (laughs) Can I just uh, relate a line from Christopher Clary, our good friend from the New York times, who said that in that first set, Svetana Peronkova had more rhythm changes than Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it turns out a slice forehand is, has been the key to getting the better of Serena Williams all this time, for yeah. for a set anyway, um, because as as Matt pointed out, she, she did a fantastic job of problem solving that slice forehand. And actually, by the end of the match, Pironkova was barely using it, whereas in the first set, it was um, it was very fruitful for her. It was, I, I loved the first set. And there were a couple of... Peronkova paddled backhands down the line, which I know it's weird technique. You know, she was she was taught when she was a kid by her dad, who didn't really know anything about tennis. He was sort of making it up as he went along. So she's got this really unorthodox technique, but just is so effective. And I just, I don't know, I, I feel it does things to me, her backhand down the line. I could just watch it on a loop. Is it not a, a little bit like... Medvedev's when you think of yeah incredibly flat and sort mm. of looks like that I mean I'm 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 borrowing some technical analysis from the the pundits that I spend my days with here but looks like they're catching it late there's something yeah something something sort of a bit disconcerting about it but also mesmerizing If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Talking to Medvedev. Uh, he followed this match onto the court and played against Andre Rublev. And previous to this encounter, they'd played twice on the tour and Medvedev had won both of them without losing a set. They're good mates and you, you could tell that when they came out onto the court and suddenly Rublev is 6-3 up in the first set tiebreak. And, and it, I mean, it looked on. It looked on for him at that point, certainly to get his first set against him. Um, and, and there'd been a couple, of, a couple of dodgy games from Medvedev where he just was missing and, and he was missing in the tiebreak as well. And then suddenly he just battened down the hatches at 3-6 down. He, he just made it very clear, I am not going to miss and let's see what you can do. <laughs> and uh, poor old Andre kind of self-destructed who does that remind you of in a tie break i was expecting a better response to that well Well, i was going djokovic with the battening down the hatches and not making an error in the tie break sorry i was Uh, was not the answer i was expecting i was thinking the opposite (laughs) of blowing a tie break lead oh okay yes no well that went well (laughs) Yeah. Over to we you, got Matt. The end. Yeah. Um, We've forgotten about yeah, Novak no, Djokovic right that quickly, have we? We will have raised him from our consciousness. Crikey. You, you are right, though. Um, and Andre Rublev, who wants to win tennis matches so much <laughs> that he just can't handle it when he doesn't. And he lost it. And he took it out on various things including his racket, his racket bag, his coach, and his banana. <laughs> Which I is loved, not something... <laughs> I loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Banana abuse is it's the new thing, kids. I've never seen that before. I've never seen anybody thrash a <laughs> fruit item onto the floor. It was still in the skin. He just, he took a bite from it first and then just, oh, <laughs> he just. Then he had to wander over to the bin. Slapped it down. Because <laughs> nobody's allowed to. No one's allowed to do you pick think it in, up. Do you think in non-COVID times he would really have sat there and allowed someone else to clear up his banana debris after his childish banana strop? I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think not. lots of players would, but I think I think <laughs> Rublev might not. To be fair, I think he's a he's a good yeah. lad. Yeah, um, he was. Uh, but my word, does he have a temper on him? <laughs> and he was caught out by James Kyothavong's knowledge of uh, Russian swear words in a in yes. a very amusing incident because he he screamed what sounded like a kind of ah very loudly. And got a verbal obscenity warning, and then proceeded to argue about it with James Kyothavong, who said, "Well, I'm pretty sure I heard something else, but 
but you know the tape will be reviewed and 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 they will see whether 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 or not to fine you for it and then after that he didn't really argue it again because i th- <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think he realized that that james had caught him out yeah well and you found out from your pundits catherine that chair umpires actually study swear words in other languages which i think is magnificent yes i was being told in my ear to hold up the medvedev chat uh because medvedev was was coming to speak to us uh in the virtual interview room but we weren't quite sure when when we were arriving so we'd sort of done all the you know analysis of the match and flogged the medvedev chat to death but i was being told oh he's he'll, you know he'll be here any any minute any minute just keep it going um and i'd already asked the uh, the producers to have the uh, to have the sort of Rublev, well, I'd asked for the banana clip <laughs> to be on standby, but they'd created a sort of roll of Rublev meltdown material, which was glorious. And I, th- and, I <laughs> and I just sort of just tossed out there, oh, you know, is is that a thing? Do umpires revise foreign swear words? And Daniela's eyes lit up and she said, they bloomin' well do. She said, <laughs> I got caught out by that loads of times. She said she would she would always make a mental note of who the umpire was before the match and what languages they could speak and sort of uh, decide upon the language of her swear words accordingly. <laughs> and, and, and Tim sat sneaky, there silently throughout this, you know, looking... Looking like butter wouldn't melt, Tim Hemman that's never sworn in his life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we know him a bit better than that. Uh, right. Can I just say, by the way, that at the moment, I've just seen Alex Dimonor set up a fourth break point on Dimonor team serve. Team's 3-1 up. And, and Dimonor has taken to half volleying any ground stroke that team hits at him and he's, he's like standing almost in the service box in order to just try and smother him and attack him, which I was not expecting at all. Very entertaining. Um, so whether it pays off and actually does him any good, well, well that's another matter. Um, what was Daniel Medvedev like to talk to? Really pleasant. I, I, I've always found him a really engaging interviewee. I, I, I know he's not a perfect person. He's got a troubling troubling rap sheet we've dealt with this before i i believe him when he says he's trying to improve as a person i think we see evidence of that um and he's a he's intelligent you feel like he's looking you in the eye and thinking about your question um and he i'm pleased to report that although there's there's no crowds with whom he can get involved in epic iconic moments this year he really did still seem like himself there was a twinkle in his eye he didn't he didn't gloss over any questions tim asked him about how he was missing the new york crowd and he he gave a really wry little answer you know about about you know just a bit of irony about oh but the new york crowd love me what are you talking about? Um, Didn't you call it a love story? Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, the first question I asked him was, how are you feeling, you know, not just emotionally, but, but physically as well? Because he, he dodged a bullet in that third set tiebreak, or rather... He sort looked of, in a bad way, didn't he? Re- removed the bullet from his path um, by imploding. Um, I said, yeah, so how are you feeling? He said, oh, I'm really drained right now. Um, he did look at he if he had lost that third set tie break he would have been in trouble for sure it was yeah because he, he'd had he'd had treatment to a shoulder uh, at at four five when he came out and then he then he had he had somebody come on the next changeover to to rub his legs because he got cramp and he he just didn't look too well he was taking on loads of water he went really pale um i mean i know that he hasn't he's been winning so easily this tournament that he just hasn't really been challenged at all and okay this was a straight sets match but I suppose it was a a bit more competitive than any of his previous matches have been so maybe maybe that was a factor maybe stress and pressure made him 
feel it physically a bit more. But I did find it bizarre, this guy that, you know, last year at the US Open, he was he was held, various body parts were held together by sticky tape. And yet he was still this marathon man, wasn't he, over over the distance. Endurance-wise, there was no no question mark over him. But um, it was it was a little bit odd what happened to him physically in that third set, I think. But he but last year at times he did look like he was done physically and yet still managed to come through it. It wasn't just I didn't think it was just the fact that he was being held together. Like at times he was physically cramping on the court and suddenly he <laughs> yeah. was he would have some sort of incredible second wind and come through matches that he looked down and out of. But I agree, this this looks slightly different just in terms of how pale he went. And, and he looked, well, he did look injured, but he also just looked a bit unwell on the court for a small period of that match. And he and he celebrated at the end, which, I mean, mm. his, his trademark is to not celebrate. And he kept on referencing that. He mentioned it on the court and he mentioned it in his interview with us mm. as well. He, he said, that's the first time I've celebrated a, a win since last year. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, it was obviously really significant to him the uh, the moment you referenced his cramping of last year all that i could think of was i want you to know when you sleep at night <laughs> oh, that i won so because great. of you <laughs> <laughs> it will never get old Catherine made made Amazon Prime put out a VT of that without any reference points whatsoever. She just wanted to have a look. <laughs> yeah, true story. Yeah, I made them run uh, about a minute and a half of uh, footage of Serena Williams arriving with her with her little dog poking out of her bag today. I mean, it was obviously very editorially relevant because we were talking about the fact that Serena's the first one on site every day, first one on the practice court. But, you know, tangentially, there was also fantastic dog footage. That That is interesting, isn't it? How, what an early riser she appears to be. I mean, she is on those practice courts really early. Yep, first one there. I think she. they don't open them before 9am. Um, I think 9am is the earliest you can be out there and she is there. I've, well, I've done, I've been in the the studio overlooking that practice court two years and we, the two years previous to this one and this, this year, I'm obviously in London, but we get the footage every morning from the practice courts and she has been there 9am every day, match day, practice day, no matter, no matter What's going on? She is there with a man applying sunscreen to her and a dog poking out of her handbag and Patrick Moratoglu looking stressed. She is there and it's extraordinary. Well, it makes it very interesting about tomorrow then, doesn't it? When does she practice? Because she is the second match on against Victoria Azarenka. The first match is at 7pm local time in New York. And so she won't get on court probably till nine o'clock at night. Well, last year in this same situation, she practiced as she would at 9am and then she came back and had a short practice, more of just a hit, a warm-up hit, um, around about, I think if I remember right, about 5pm and she was she was the first uh, of the semi-finals on court. I was following up on what we talked about yesterday in terms of why we thought she might have been requesting the day session matches and it's 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 irrelevant now because the schedule is set for the for the remaining matches of the tournament but I had a vague memory once we discussed it of hearing her talk about this before and I think as much as the conditions I think the main thing is for her routine because I think she's talked about when she plays a night session match her next day is not an off day because everything's pushed pushed back so much and she doesn't feel like she can stick to that usual routine quite as well or quite as easily. And I think also having having Olympia with her, I think she would rather play during the day and then get back and be with her in the evening. She's talked about that as well. I was looking back at some some transcripts that she's given in the last year. And so I think I think her routine is very important to her. And this having now having to go to a night session could be could be a little bit of a disruption to that. But at the same time obviously she is 
incredibly experienced and I expect to I expect her to deal with that fine. But it's it's certainly interesting when when you've been requesting it, as she I think clearly has, that does show that there is something in that and something that something that you think is to your advantage. Who's gonna win? Naomi Osaka. <laughs> okay. Naomi Osaka over Brady. Yes. They're good. Se- they're blooming good semi-finals. Mm, they, they really they are. are really good. Yeah. They're the four best players mm. in the tournament. So I think it's as simple as that. Um, yeah, Osaka. <laughs> <laughs> Who is going to win out of Azarenka and Serena? Azarenka. He does good Azarenka predictions. Yeah, that's that's a guaranteed win for Serena. <laughs> if you'd asked me this last night, if you'd said Serena and Azarenka will play in that semi-final, I'd have said Serena. But one in love over Elise Mertens. Yikes. Um, come on, David. What, what, you, you go. Serena. Serena. Serena, there are 20 aces. 20 aces is a big deal. And 18-4 head-to-head and Serena. Okay. David said it with more conviction, Matt. So I'm going, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going with that. I think it could be an absolute corker, though. Mm. I really do. I th- and I, I'd be disappointed if not. Um, I think I th- if Brady comes out and plays well, I think the other one will be an absolute belter mm. as well. It's one of those, you know, I, I think it's all on Brady, whether she can play and handle the, the occasion. And, and I, I think no crowd helps with that for her. She said after her win yesterday, was it yesterday? Feels like a lifetime ago. Um, who did she beat yesterday? Putin Saver. Putin Saver. She said, she said, I was so nervous, I thought I was going to poop my pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She really does disguise it well. I mean, there's the odd moment where she looks a bit wobbly, but crikey. She doesn't look like somebody that's at risk of soiling themselves. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to look as nervous as her, uh, if that's nervous. So, yeah. Wow. I Yeah, I think... I think Osaka as well, experience. And, and you, you mentioned it earlier about how players who look like they're playing without pressure. I, I'm not saying that Osaka is playing without pressure, but she's carrying the... Dis- I've never seen a look happier in herself and more content mm. as, as who she is than she does now. Um, so I think that that will help her play good tennis every time she steps out. So, mm. I really, for the sake of my pre-tournament predictions, it is essential for my credibility that Osaka wins. Like essential, that's really all, really all I've got. Yeah, we long since lost any <laughs> credibility, Catherine. When it comes to predictions, you know that. No, but there's a there's a micro mm. level of credibility that we want to reestablish, mm-hmm. if at all possible. Uh, just one other result to give to you, which I was watching out the corner of my eye, was the women's double semi-final between uh, Nicole, is it Melichar? Melichar, I think. Melichar and Zhu uh, uh, Yifan. Uh, from China, and they defeated uh, Asia Mohammed and Taylor Townsend. And it was an absolutely belting match. It was 9-7 in the third set tiebreak. And it was one of those where, because it was on at the same time as our commentary, I'm not supposed to be watching it, but I just kept finding myself looking over at the screen and uh, and getting invested in it. So they're into the uh, the women's doubles final, and tomorrow it all starts. The the men's doubles final is the first thing on, and that's at three o'clock in the afternoon New York time, so eight p.m. in the UK. Uh, Mate Pavic and Bruna Suarez against Wesley Kulhoff and Nikola Mektic. 
of Croatia. And then those singles matches in the evening session from 7 o'clock, Brady Osaka, then Williams against uh, Azarenka. And also the, the wheelchair competition starts tomorrow. From a British perspective, we've got Jordan Wiley playing. Uh, we have got Gordon Reed against Alfie Hewitt. Uh, Andy Lapthorne is in action as well, and Lucy Shuker as well. So there's a, there are, a there's more tennis to to look at. I mean that's one of the slightly weird things because there's no mixed doubles and there's no junior event. The second week does feel quite fairly quiet, um, but there's, there's there's more going on tomorrow. So as we stand, dominant team has just won the first set six games to one. As we finish the podcast here at 2.36 in the morning. 40-minute set, absolutely fascinating. I've been watching it out of the corner of my eye while we were speaking. It feels like a really close set. When you watch Diminor, the speed that he's running at, he's kind of cutting off angles in order so that he can try and half-volley and attack a team. And he set up four or five break points in a single game, and he was looking good, and he's lost it 6-1. I mean... That's just rude, Dominic. <laughs> so, what time are you up in the morning, Catherine? You don't have to get up in the morning, There's do you? There's no such thing as the morning for me tomorrow. Call time, 7.30pm. It's like oh, Christmas. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to do with your day? Uh, sleep. Um, sleep. Wake up. Uh do like a, a thing so I can say I did something with my day and then nap. <laughs> Catherine Whitaker there, everybody. Matt is, uh, Matt doesn't, Matt, what time did you go to bed this morning? Uh, well, it was gone 7am. He went to bed at 7am. Yeah, it was, it was a struggle Nobody today. told either of you you had to watch all of Denis Shapovalov against Pablo Corinna Buster. We should review that quickly. <laughs> to be fair, I was still working on the podcast until about 6am, so it was only an extra oh, hour. Well, now I feel yeah. bad. <laughs> oh, no, we, we were both there, Catherine. We were both plugging away, making sure that the listeners got what they want uh, from us, and sure enough, they did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, pa- Pablo Carina Buster uh, wins sets two and three. He's a set down. He wins sets two and three on tie breaks. Really, Shapovalov should have won one of those. And at two sets to one, I am genuinely thinking, okay, that's my cue to go to bed. And then Shapovalov goes three love up in about four minutes in the fourth set. And I'm, I'm in, I'm, I've been dragged in. I've been dragged in. And then Shapovalov wins that set in about 18 minutes, six love. And he genuinely seemed to believe that that meant he was going to win the match. Uh, and that Pablo Carina Buster had given it up. Yeah, very strange quotes he, after the match saying, oh, I was really surprised that he was any good in the fifth set. Because he'd been rubbish <laughs> in the fourth set. Firing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Breaking news, Denis Shapovalov has never watched a five-set tennis match. <laughs> I mean, come on. That is, that yeah. is naive, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Disappointing. <laughs> Not for Pablo, though. Oh. No, well, he was fantastic, Corona Buster. I mean, so, there were some rallies when... Because you know how jaw-dropping Shapovalov can be and he, when he's going side-to-side and he's full-fledged teeing off from ridiculous positions on the court. And he was dominating rallies. But then Corona Buster on the run with his forehand is an, uh, is an extraordinary sight at times. Mm, I think he's probably, he's probably one of those guys, Corona Buster, who, with the exception of Kyrgios, who has definitely said some regrettable things about him. I bet he has the respect of the locker room. What is what has Kyrgios said about Pablo Corinna Buster? I think he's generally said that he sort of fluked his way to the US Open semi-final in the past. Oh, he said it recently. Oh yeah. And and that he's and that he only got to the ATP finals as an alternate because of his results on clay, oh, which is a real God. A real misunderstanding of actually what Krenio Buster is as a tennis player because he's actually a much better hard court player than he is clay court player. But I just feel like for most people in that locker room, they probably they probably know that he is tough to beat, and he, you know, you really have to go out and beat him. Was what Tim Hemman was saying on your coverage mm. today. You know, he's not going to beat himself, whereas Shapovalov can still. He still has mm. that. And probably issue. did. 
Yeah. Whereas Quenya Buster was, as you said, David, incredibly, incredibly solid and occasionally came up with some very impressive shot making of his own. That, that's what struck me is his ability to counterattack when, when, the, when he's being pushed mm. around and suddenly give you one back, you know, and, and win a point off a whiplash forehand or a good cross-court backhand. So, no, fair play to him. Uh, I mean, I was... I was disappointed for, because I and we I do love watching Shapovalov play, and I'm waiting for that breakthrough. And this was a real chance for it uh, to get through to play Alexander Zverev, which is the other semi-final now on uh, on Friday. So it'll be uh, Zverev against Karina Buster. It'll be uh, Daniel Medvedev against either Team or Dimonor. Uh, we'll talk about those matches tomorrow as well after um, the semi-finals of the the women's tournament, which. Uh, I just they couldn't really be better on paper they look fantastic so look forward to that uh go and sleep up Catherine enjoy your three naps tomorrow and your pretend activity uh we'll hear all about that tomorrow whatever it was maybe she'll go to the fridge folks who knows um I'll definitely and, be going to the uh, fridge yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes and yeah thanks ever so much for listening and for your support and for zeus leaving us zeus thank you to nicholas isn't it <laughs> nicholas is the owner of zeus thank you nicholas for bringing zeus into our lives yes that's yeah, well yeah. said isn't it he's always top of mind david gives me that i knew you were going to mention zeus look I'm quite relieved you did. <laughs> Not that I'd forgotten you, Zeus. It's just, you know, I, I need Catherine just to make me really bring it. Bring it in a way that it needs to be said Do that Zeus is the dog. Dog reminders is something I'm here for always. I've yeah. always got you. Splendid. All right. Okay. See you Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.